Welcome to the podcast of Grace and Peace Church. We're glad you're journeying with us, and we hope that you find value from the teachings. If you'd like to connect or support the mission of Grace and Peace Church, check us out at graceandpeacechurch.org or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Grace and Peace. All right. Well, we are in a sermon series where we're going through the book of Mark, and it is a I would say, I don't want to say verse by verse, but like thought by thought kind of thing, because sometimes we'll unpack stuff a little bit more than we normally do, and sometimes we'll go more in depth, and sometimes we move a little faster, but we are months into this, and we're only in chapter 10. Um, Chris and I were joking about it, like, are we still in chapter 10? Like, we've been in chapter 10 for a month, I think. Um, but this is the last little passage that we see here, and um, and the the reason we're, we're kind of going through the book of Mark is because what you see in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is how Jesus interacted with people, how he treated them, how he shaped their theology, their understanding of who God is. Um, and, and I think there's a lot to learn, right, as we read the Gospels. I think you could stay in the Gospels all of your life and still pick out new things and learn new things about what Jesus does and how he interacts with people. And so what we're doing is we're calling this walk with me, coming from Jesus' perspective, that we're walking with Jesus and we're watching how he treats people, how he responds to their questions. And one of the questions here is a blind man that wants to be healed. Um, And my question to you right off the bat is, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And you might be like, well, I don't want him to do anything for me. Like, I don't need anything. Um, but maybe there is something. Maybe there's something in your life right now that you're wrestling with that you're going, I don't have a solution. I don't have a way out. I don't have answers for this part of my life. I would say hold that in the front of your mind while we're talking about this. Maybe all of week, this week. I don't know. Um, as long as it takes. But I think that this question is pretty poignant. And we're going to see it in this passage here in a second. Um, but this, this passage is actually kind of the culmination of a lot of this thread that Mark takes us through of seeing clearly. So he talks about the kingdom of God and how people don't really see God clearly. They see God in their own lens, their own perspective, and they kind of see God with the way that they want to see God. And you see him interact with the Pharisees and they're like, no, God is very strict. He only does it this way and only in these buildings. And and he's like, no, 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 like God's way beyond your little box that you've created, right? And, um, and what we see is he, he deals with vision as kind of a metaphor. So there's some people that get healed. And um, probably two months ago, we went through a passage where Jesus heals a person by spitting on his hands, right? Putting mud on his eyes and heals him. And the guy goes, kind of see, but people look like trees, right? And his response is like, they just, it doesn't, I don't see fully. And then he heals him fully. Like he goes back and heals him again. And then he sees clearly. And he's like, oh, now I see. And it's supposed to be kind of this metaphor for like how we see God and how we see the world that sometimes we don't see clearly. And then now we're going to see this healing take place that kind of takes it full, I don't know, takes it to 11. Okay. It goes, goes next level. So, um, so this idea of seeing God's kingdom clearly, um, fully understanding what God's heart is for his people um, is, is a big part of what Mark does here in this book. So um, 
today I'm kind of going to nerd out on just like each verse. We're going we're gonna to like motor through this. Um, but I think each verse is just so powerful and it like speaks to us really, really, really beautifully. At least it did for me. So um, selfishly, I'm going to keep going through that. Um, but my challenge would be to personally really think through like what, it, what do you, what's the issue in your life right now that you want to find resolve in? that you want to see God move in and, and, and stir and shake up. And, um, yeah, this, uh, this scenario that we're going to read right here about this, this blind beggar who uh, wants to be healed is, is powerful. And, um, and I think we have a lot to wrestle with. So let's read this passage, and we'll see this beautiful demonstration of healing that Jesus does here. So, Verse 46. I'm going to read it from the screen because I think my translation is different. So, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Doesn't that seem obvious? Right? But Jesus asked this question. We're going to dig into that. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So we have this healing moment here. And it starts out, he says, when he heard that Jesus uh, of Nazareth, he began to shout out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you might be going, like, why is he calling him son of David? Like, why is that valuable? Um, it's a reference to 2 Samuel, this prophetic passage, that there will be a Messiah that will come, that will bring healing, that will bring, usher in God's kingdom in this beautiful way um, once and for all. And so he had to have had some sort of background in what Scripture said and what the culture said about this Messiah that's going to come and transform the world and is going to bring healing. And, um, and so Messiah was known, that's kind of a key ingredient, known to bring healing. And so there's many passages you can look at. I don't want to dig into that right now, but many passages that talk about there will be healing in his wings. There will be healing in what he does and what he brings to the people. And so for him to cry out, have mercy on me, he had to have had some background and understanding that the son of David, this line of David that Jesus is part of, which is another thing, a deep, complex thing you can dig into, but the lineage of, of David um, comes Jesus. And so he understood that. He understood that the prophecy that God, and this message that God had been weaving, which would have been a thousand years prior to that, is now unfolding. So he would have had a little bit of a background, a little bit of an understanding of what's happening here. And so... Um, I mentioned that previously there had been two healings that took place, right? And a guy that the first healing didn't really work. The second one it became really clear. What we see here is this blind man who is fully healed because of his faith. There's no 
physical touch that happens. There's literally just words that say, your faith has healed you. And um, this interaction, I believe, demonstrates this kind of power, this ability that Jesus has to speak into someone's life beyond what they can handle, right? Beyond what they can even comprehend. Because the initial call out that this guy has is, have mercy on me, right? He doesn't say, heal me. He says, have mercy on me. And this term mercy, I want to unpack a little bit because I think that there's something in that that represents his posture towards Jesus. And I think we can learn from that. And the word that I want to use in, that's going to weave through this message is what I see here is this idea of being unhindered, right? So this man's sitting there and he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by and unhindered, he's like crying out to him. Not just once, but twice, like crying out to him, like, have mercy on me. Like, I know you have power, have mercy on me. And so I began to think about, like, what's that idea of mercy and why is that so significant? And when I think of mercy, I think of being unhindered, right? That mercy being received is that you're going to come unhindered. You're not going to like bring any baggage to the situation. You're not going to bring any expectation. You're just saying, like, I'm here. Like, show me whatever power you have and ability you have to cast it onto me, and I'm just going to, like, I'm, I'm along for the ride. That's essentially the posture that this guy has. And so when I looked up this idea of mercy, in the Greek, uh, the root word there is aleo, which means to give aid to something that is in need to give aid to something that is in need. And I imagine that this guy was in need, right? He's blind and he's a beggar and he's sitting there. And you would think that there's probably some needs that are going on there. Um, In this commentary that I read, it says, um, Bartimaeus exemplifies the meaning of poor in spirit, which Jesus talks about, that when we are poor in spirit, we're going to see the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. And so this idea of seeing comes up again, this visual of like, do you see the kingdom of God? Do you see it clearly? And this idea of mercy being unhindered, approaching Jesus unhindered, poor in spirit, open to receiving whatever he has that he wants to do. He knows that there's nothing about him that warrants Jesus' attention, right? There's nothing special about him. But what does that tell us about Jesus? That as he cries out, the crowd says, shh, like, what are you doing? But Jesus is like, wait, I heard. I heard someone cry out. He recognized it. What does that tell us about what Jesus hears in our lives? What does that tell us about the things that Jesus cares about? The crowd could care less. They were like, no, you're... You're blind beggar, like, we take priority here. And what you see here is that he is receiving favor in a situation, in a culture, in a world where he normally wouldn't receive any favor, right? If he received a lot of favor, he probably wouldn't be on the side of the road. But yet, Jesus hears him and wants to bring healing. And again, he's unhindered unhindered. In verse 48, it says, many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody else is saying, hey, 
pipe down, down in the back. And he just keeps trying. He's like, no, I, I, know what, I know what this guy's capable of. I know who this Messiah is. I know what's going on here. And what I want to say is the crowd doesn't typically know what's best and typically doesn't have your best interest in mind. Ever felt that way? That culture and the world and the people around us don't always have our best interest in mind. Right? The crowd there is just, they're thinking about themselves. And what they're saying is like, no, 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 like, pipe down in the back, like, you need to be quiet. They had their agenda. They were like, we're going to be close to Jesus. We're going to learn from Jesus. We're following him. We're being obedient. We're doing the, like, the Christian thing we're supposed to do, right? And yet they're missing the point, and they're like, be quiet. And Jesus is like, no, 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 like, I heard somebody. What's going on here? And I would just be mindful that there are going to be voices. There are going to be things in our lives. And maybe it'll take some reflection this week to recognize what that crowd looks like. But I'm sure we all have a crowd that tells us, no, don't, don't waste your time with that. Like, pipe down, right? I know that social media a lot of times can be something that can, like, crowd my vision and my understanding of who God is, that it gets noisy, um, that'll feed us information, that'll tell us, no, you'll be more content if you do all of these things. Like, don't waste your time with being still and quiet and prayer and reading your Bible and humility. Like, that's boring, right? The crowd will always be louder. The crowd will always try and keep us away from Jesus. What is that crowd in your life right now? What is that noise? Um, maybe it's friends. Maybe it's family. Um, what does that crowd look like that doesn't really understand the thing that you're chasing after, that you're really seeking after and desiring and, he- and looking for healing in, that is clouding that, that vision of really what, what Jesus wants to do in your life? Um, My prayer is that that voice wouldn't be louder in your life. The reason we gather here together is so that we can listen to Jesus' voice and say, that voice is beautiful because it brings healing. I'm not going to listen to the crowd anymore. Like, I don't want to listen to that because that crowd will, as, as good as some of the arguments might be, it's still just noise. It's not something that really transforms life the way that Bartimaeus is seeking after and the way that I think that we all seek after. So check this out in 49, uh, 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So then suddenly the crowd's like, oh, wait, yeah, 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 call him over. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're cool with that now, right? Now that Jesus is like, oh, yeah, call him over, suddenly the story shifts, which is another interesting layer to the crowd. The crowd will always go with whatever is good at the time, right? Again, it's that moment of like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, bring him over here. Like, and this, what do they say? Um, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Their story shifted pretty quick, didn't it? Come on over. Unhindered. In verse 50, it says, he throws off his cloak. I'm just a picture that, just like, you know, like running to Jesus. But he throws off the cloak, throws off the thing, the, probably the one thing that he owns, right? As a beggar who's sitting there. The one thing that he owns, he throws off which demonstrates a bit of faith that, like, I, I trust that Jesus is going to do something right now, and 
might not need this cloak, you know? Let's see what happens. So there's a bit of faith. There's a bit of like a bold, just unhindered, I'm going to Jesus. I'm pursuing him no matter what. Jumps to his feet and came to Jesus. Jesus asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? Which, it blows my mind. Like, this is the, the question I've been wrestling with and like, probably every time I read this passage, but mainly this week as I was studying, I was like, why does he ask this question? What do you want me to do for you? We all sit here and go, dude, he's blind beggar on the side of the road. What do you think he wants? Like, it sounds stupid to us sometimes, right? But when I think about it, I think there are some things that we probably categorize as things that we have to have. That Maybe his blindness wasn't his issue. Maybe that wasn't something that was a problem to him at that moment. Maybe that wasn't something that was the thing that he's wrestling with. But it was. But Jesus is sensitive enough to say, what do you really want? Because maybe he didn't want that taken away. Maybe he didn't care. That was like, he's, that's not, a, it's not an issue. But he answers with, I want to have sight. And I think this is, again, this is like this thread that Mark weaves through here of like, not just sight here, but seeing God's kingdom, seeing who Jesus is, seeing Jesus fully for who he is in our lives and what he longs to do. And so we see this like, this beautiful interaction that happens between Jesus and Bartimaeus where he asks him, because I think he cares about him, because he cares about his heart. And he doesn't just want to like impose something that Bartimaeus doesn't even really want. And I think that speaks to who Jesus is and who God is in our lives. That He wants to speak into our lives in a way that says, what are the things that you care about? What are the things that you want to see transformed? Because it's sometimes different for all of us, isn't it? But that shows the relational aspect of God. That God isn't just here to like, slam some kind of new like theology on you, some kind of new way of living. It's like, no, let me, what do you want? Like deep down in your heart, really, what do you want to see happen in this world? What do you want to see happen in your life? And I think that that speaks again to relationship, to like a, an understanding of what that person truly desires. He responds with rabbi. Rabbi would have been a term in that day signifying teacher, somebody who you want to learn from. So his response is, I want to learn from you. Rabbi who knows way more than I do. Again, unhindered humility, that idea of him asking for mercy. His posture to him, to Jesus is saying, rabbi, teach me, like show me this beautiful way of life, right? He says, um, Rabbi, I want to see. So he, he comes to him with this humility, this approach that just says, Rabbi, you're my teacher. You're the one that's going to show me the way of life. I, I want to follow you. I want to commit to you. But I want to see. This is a beautiful contrast to the passage you read a couple weeks ago where a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what do I need to do? I've done everything to be the perfect Christian. I go to church every Sunday. I do my thing. Like, I'm committed to helping people and loving people. But then Jesus says, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and come follow me. And the guy goes away sad, right? The guy goes away disappointed, bummed, like, I can't do it. 
because he wasn't committed to saying, Rabbi, you're going to be my teacher, you're going to lead the way, and I'm committed to following you regardless of what it looks like. There's a deeper commitment. So there's this contrast where this, this guy Bartimaeus is like, I'm just here to learn from you. I want to follow you. Give me sight. Give me that kind of vision, that vision of really what the kingdom looks like. I listened to his podcast, which I referenced earlier, um, that is in the notes that I highly recommend you listen to. It's like the best 33 minutes of your life, probably. Just kidding. Um, it'll rock your world. It'll challenge the way you think about the tension that we live in. I mentioned the very beginning, we all have something that we want to see healing in in our lives, right? We all have something that we wrestle with that is a challenge in our lives, that is difficult, that we maybe don't have answers in. Um, this podcast, as I listen to it, I listen to a guy, um, his name is Terry Wardle, and he talks about abuse that he went through as a child, um, some really heavy situations that he witnessed, um, death that happened in front of him, and he talks about how he handled these very difficult situations in his life and this journey um, of going through abuse and all those things and kind of wrestling with like, why would you allow me to go through those things, God? You know, wrestling with those kind of questions of like, why, why does this happen, right? And many of, us have, many of us have those questions in our lives where we, why did this happen to me? Or why did this happen to so-and-so? Like, why is there evil in this world? And, um, and what he began to realize over the years of journeying and developing in his relationship with God is that he understood that he had to have a shift from going from knowing God, like intellectually, to having a relationship with God. And once he began to see God's heart, he began to see that that was shaping him in a way, that those really tragic, difficult um, situations shaped him in a way to be more empathetic, more loving, more kind, more like Jesus. And, and I just thought it was interesting to hear that and begin to hear that the heart of God, the heart of Jesus, is that transformation. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the question that Jesus poses to Bartimaeus is, what do you want me to do for you? He poses relationship. He doesn't say, I have the answers. I'm your rabbi. I'm Jesus. He could have laid out, you know, all kinds of like, here's the, the greatest commandment, right? Like, here's what you need to do. What he did was he asked him, what do you desire? What, like, what kind of... What, what do you really want to see happen in this world? And he began to start this relationship where now he understands God's heart a little bit more for healing, for new life. And so what I want to do is, um, is begin to show you an example of somebody who serves here at Grace and Peace. Um, she's actually not here this Sunday, which is why I had to pre-record this, this little um, video that you're going to watch here in a second. Um, Bailey serves in our, our nursery area, and she's been doing that for a while, and um, just an awesome example of somebody who I think, like, is just surrendered to following Jesus. Um, I've known her ever since, I think she was, like, probably nine, um, many, many years, and I've watched her surrender her life over and over and say, like, what do you want me to do with my life, God? Where do you want me to go? And I, and when I talk to her, and have conversations with her, I see that she, she's wrapped up in this relationship with Jesus that 
comes out of the same posture that I see in Bartimaeus, where it's just like, have mercy on me. Like, I want to follow you. Because the final response that you see Bartimaeus make here is he dropped everything and follows him, follows Jesus, like commits to being part of what Jesus is doing and surrendering to this life of like journeying with him. And I want to, I want you guys to hear Bailey's heart um, because she's actually going to be going um, on mission with YWAM in the fall. And, um, and we as a church want to be praying for her. And so I thought it'd be cool for you guys to hear a little bit of her story. All right. Well, uh, I'm sitting here with Bailey, who volunteers and helps out in our nursery at GP. And um, as Carissa and I were talking about kind of this message and doing our sermon prep, uh, I just thought it'd be really cool for you guys all to hear Bailey's story and what she's doing. And um, so, Bailey, intro who you are real quick and give us a um, kind of some background on what you're going to be doing this fall when and where and what you're doing. Well, hello, I'm Bailey. And um, this fall, I'm actually doing a BTS. um, And it's basically a six months um, kind of missionary training. So three months is um, based in Yosemite, where I'll be learning how God speaks to me and just um, what kind of what God has in store for my life basically in a way. And then um, the rest of the three months we're going um, on an outreach. So it's either um, one of the five focus nations, which is Lebanon, Thailand, Nepal, Japan, and somewhere in the Himalayas, um, where we just get to like uh, um, reach out to the people and connect and just do missions that way. So Nice. And just serve whatever community, wherever they send you and wherever God takes you there. Yeah. That's um, awesome. That is really cool. Definitely, yeah. Definitely a leap of faith, though, because <laughs> I do not know where we're going on outreach. That's great, though. I love that you're just willing just to jump in and say, hey, I'm going to go and, and charge into it. Um, when uh, I know a little bit of your story, but nobody else, a lot of the other people aren't going to really know this, but because um, I think I've known of you at least for like probably 10 years. So I've like known you since you were real little. And Carissa mentioned that um, when you were in children's camp, there was some commitments that you made even talking about like being a missionary when you were real little. Like, do you remember any of that stuff? I mean, I've always had my heart set on missions. Um, My mom was like involved with missions, like her, like, you know, her growing up and I've always like been interested in, I've always been like listening to those stories. And then um, it's kind of started for me, like, um, like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life after high school. I'm just trying to figure that out. And then, um, I just did some research, um, cause my mom was like, you should just do a DTS. And I was like, okay, sure. Like, you know, I, I didn't really think much of it at the time, but then when it got closer to the end of the year, I was like, I'm actually going to do a DTS. I'm going to find where God, um, you yeah. know, and so I started researching different DTSs, um, like one in Oregon, one in Washington, Seattle, um, one in Hawaii and then one in the Yosemite nice. one. Yeah. Um, and cause I wanted it clo- kind of close to home, but not yeah. like, but far enough to way where I can be independent and find my journey myself. Yep. Um, so once like I prayed about it and then, um, actually Yosemite was recommended to me by one of the higher ups, um, nice. in that board. And so I was like, okay, I'm going with Yosemite. So 
Very cool. That's awesome. So, um, how did you, like, when do you remember first, like feeling like I need to commit to this sort of thing? Like I want to chase after that. Do you remember like when God first, like kind of made that something that like you're excited about or passionate about? Um, well, okay. So I got baptized when I was nine. I think after the day I got baptized, like, you know, I kind of was like, yeah, I felt that calling. I went on several, like, little minor mission trips like to Sun Valley. Um, and I really enjoyed those. And then, um, I was like, Oh, this is like fun. This is my calling. Like I love connecting with people. Um, and then I think it was like the summer of my freshman year, like before I went into freshman year, when we went to Haiti, where I truly was like, okay, like this is definitely my calling. And, you know, I was very interested in like, especially when I got to help in the nurse nursing clinic and like, I got to see all those like people and yeah. how we got to help them and then seeing yeah. like how we gave them fresh water and like yeah. with that well thing. That was totally. really cool too. So. Yeah, no, watching you serve in all those areas, like on these mission trips that we've both been on has been, it's been amazing. It's just cool watching like God kind of preparing your heart and your experiences and all those things for kind of where you're at now and that you're just willing just to like, just to go for it, you know, it's really yeah. inspiring. So that's why I wanted other people to hear it. Um, and, and hopefully see that it's like, it starts with these little steps of faith, right. Where like initially you're like, I just got baptized, but I know that I just need to share this with other people. Like, this is an amazing thing. And so it's been awesome to watch how God's been taking your life, like just one step at a time, a little further to like sharing your faith and sharing um, and even serving, like, you know, just like you said, in Haiti and all these places that some people were like, I'd never go there. I'd never do that, you know, and you're just yeah. stepping out and and, uh, and God's using your life in amazing ways. So that's really cool. Um, so how can we as a church and as a community be praying for you? Um, well, I think for me, just um, wisdom, like hearing God's voice, like for my life, um, probably safety too, like for outreach and whatever, like, um, and just for like the people in general, for the staff as well, for like yeah. that they get receive wisdom from God. Like I think just as a community, I yeah. I think those are the biggest ones. Yeah, cool. Well, we'll be praying for you for sure, and uh, you. add you to all of our, our prayer lists, and uh, continue to be praying. And um, I guess just want to close with like one question of like what excites you most about going on. Um, like on this trip with YWAM and starting to serve uh, with them? I think it's honestly the independence, like the fact that I get to leave home and it's exciting. And then also that I get to travel and I get to meet new people and I just get yeah. to be out of my element. Yeah. Um, Cause I am definitely a homebody. I don't get out much. So I think having that, like, you know, I don't want to say forced, but like kind of like, you know, social like interactions, like yeah. where I can, I can create my own story as like becoming an adult and it's going to be my journey and not um, others people like putting it on me. So I think that's what I'm most excited about and outreach. I'm really excited to see where they send me. I hope it's Japan. (laughs) I really hope it's Japan, but that's great. I love your heart for ministry and it's just inspiring to hear all this. And um, so thank you for taking the time to share and um, yeah, we'll definitely be in prayer and um, looking forward to what God's going to do through your life and through, um, yeah, just, I think your obedience and your just excitement just to go, you know, I'm going to step out and this might be awkward, different, uncomfortable, whatever. I don't know, but it's, it's cool that you have that kind of faith. So 
keep charging. Thank you.